You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Hive Hoops, I'm your host, Joshua Balta, but that's not important because today, Corbin Ford from Swish Theory, from Sports Ethos, from The Lead, from all the things, he, this guy is incredible. I've had him on the show before, and he does tons of content for just general NBA coverage, Hornet-specific. I mean, Corbin is just one of those guys, and so I'm so glad to have him on today. We've been trying to link this up for a little bit over a week now, maybe even longer. I don't know. But um, we had different things going on, all of that. We finally made it happen. Corbin, I'm so glad to have you on, man. How is everything going? You know, it's always a pleasure to be on here with you, man. I, I appreciate the invite. I appreciate talking hoops with you, talking Hornets. I'm doing okay. We're both, you know, doing this kind of late. We're both tired, but we love basketball. We make the sacrifices for it. Here we are. We don't this even feel it right do, now. Man. This is what we do. So today, I want to lead with this because this has become – a talking point on social media amongst Hornet spaces, group chats. What exactly should the Hornets do with Gordon Hayward? And so I wanted to get your perspective because there's a lot of people saying that Gordon should come off the bench. Now, this is after the 10 game suspension of Miles Bridges. To begin the season, I think everybody is pretty much of the same mind that Gordon Hayward will be starting. But once Miles Bridges comes back, maybe he gets a couple games under you know his belt by game 14, game 15 possibly, I wanted to get your perspective on it, what the Hornets should do with Gordon Hayward. Yeah, that's such an interesting question. Gordon Hayward is a guy who is heading into an expiring deal. Um, and as such, I mean, he has value. Um, he is a guy who plays, you know, small four, power four position. He's when he's been healthy, good shooter, good facilitator. We just haven't seen a whole lot of that. You know what I mean? And so I, I feel like what the Hornets should do is keep him. Be- it really depends on what they're trying to do direction wise. And honestly, who knows, right? Like we would think it is to win. But I I don't know if that's really the goal. So I feel like, you know, if you are trying to win, then you keep Gordon Hayward. He's more useful, healthy, you know, on your team than not. Um, But if things aren't going well, you know, deal them. Expiring contracts still hold value. You know, if teams are trying to move unwanted long-term salary, you know, that, that, that might help. This is the final year of his deal. It's a pretty big number. You take a bunch of contracts back, maybe some draft capital as well in exchange for that. Another team gets Gordon Hayward. And if they're a team that is somewhere in winning contention, then they're like, hey, we can keep him and use him as well to kind of help our team. And if not, it's like, hey, we got all these contracts. We got this guy who'll be gone in three months. You know what I mean? Um, But if he's healthy, I don't know. I feel like he's a decent trade chip. The problem is I just don't know where the Hornets are. Like either mediocre or they're bad next year. Like, that's how I look. I don't really see them being, like, a surprise team that's going to, like, win 46 games. You know what I mean? Like, I feel they're either where they've been or they're a little bit worse if injuries hit. Um, but if Gordon Hayward is playing on the team and playing well, then that's an intriguing trade chip for teams, you know, or 
I wouldn't even say trade chip because the number is so big. It could be intriguing trade chip or it could be a buyout option. I, I don't know why you do that as expiring contract, but like either way, I doubt he stays the entirety of the year. But if he does, I have to imagine Skill Hornet surprise people and hopefully for a good reason. Okay. So you are of the mindset that Gordon Hayward will eventually be dealt just because of the sheer fact of how the season goes. I I am of that opinion, yes. I think I just again, he's a deal that you could probably get something back for him, you know, um, with that number, right? Get some draft assets. That could be helpful. You know, some players that might be useful. Um probably doubtful given who you're trading for but like i just don't see him lasting a whole year if he does that makes sense like you know let's say he's contributing and the team is middling fine keep him on what's the harm he comes off the books you're all gone the hornets more than likely could go that route i would lean toward trading just to see i think there's value for hayward i just do um but i could also see him just finishing the season with charlotte i just think more than likely it wouldn't be surprising if he was somewhere else by the end of the season even with his injury concern, you believe that he would, you know, fetch some draft capital at bare minimum? I, I think I think at least some. It may not be super great. Maybe, you know, heavily protected first, couple seconds, whatever the case may be. When healthy, he can produce. It's not like he's a cooked player, you know. We're not talking with old school, um, remember Chandler Parsons, you know, back with the Grizzlies where he was either injured or not effective. Like Gordon Hayward just came off the season where he averaged 14, 4 and 4. Now, granted, he did that in 50 games, but 14-4-4 on decent percentage from the field, not super great from three, just 32%, but he's a career 36% three-point shooter. So you have that. You have a guy at six foot seven who can run your offense off the bench, you know, be a capable floor spacer, you know, be an adequate defender. Like, I think he's a solid player. Um, it's the health that's the issue. And so, I mean, look at, I, I would compare, I wouldn't compare him to this player, but look at a guy like a Nicholas Batum, who is injured, ineffective in Charlotte went to a team championship aspirations and somehow became a useful role player and on, on the injuries notwithstanding because that's kind of a fickle thing but all of a sudden he looks so much better i think hayward can look very much the same in a change of scenery and, and to be honest they're about the same age um hayward will be going 34 um going in middle of next season um and i mean nicholas Batum is around the same age um i don't know where he was when he left um what he's been with He's been with the Clippers for two seasons now. Nick Batum is 34. Okay, so about a year or two older, year and a half older. But the point being, like, similar range. And I think Hayward could flourish in the same way. So let me throw this scenario at you. Well, I mean, I guess this will take place. Say over the first 10 games of the season, Miles Bridges is suspended. Already mentioned that. Everybody knows. Say the Hornets are... Say they go five and five in that time. Okay. They, you know, just hold and they win half. And then Miles Bridges comes back into the fold and the Hornets are playing well. Would you send Gordon Hayward to the bench at that point in favor of Miles Bridges in the starting rotation? to lead the second unit in order to maybe, you know, keep it, keep his body healthier, keep some minutes off of him. He's a playmaker on the second unit. Like, or do you just believe that, I mean, kind of like what you already said, 
when he's healthy, the guy can produce. He can play. Would you just keep him in the first, uh, you know, starting in the first rotation? Where where do you land on that topic? Oh, yeah, I bring him off the bench. Absolutely. I, when you were saying the entire thing about saving his body and all the things that could happen, I was down in my head in complete agreement. Like, that makes a ton of sense to me. I totally would go that route. I feel like, one, he – has better, uh, more defined role off the bench. Again, we don't have a backup point guard right now. So, like, Hayward, in effect, could be the de facto point guard, right? But also between Miles Bridges, between P.J. Washington, between Brandon Miller, Terry Rozier, um, LaMelo Ball, that's kind of starting five, in my opinion. And I think there's some decent balance there as well. Terry yeah. Rozier can kind of take on some ball handling responsibilities alongside ball. He can do a little bit of shooting. Brandon Miller obviously brings shooting to the table. Apparently, everyone thinks he's the best shooter ever. I'm being sarcastic, but he brings that. Um, PJ Washington at, at the five, I think, is probably his ideal role. And I like Miles Bridges at the four. So I think that all comes together. And then if you bring Hayward off the bench, you know, playing with Mark Williams, playing with some of the guys off the bench, being able to handle the ball a little bit more. And if he has a hot hand, you know, rolling with the starters more, I think that works well for his role. And I also think it does save his body because less of an of an of an option or less of a, a likelihood that he does get injured because he's playing heavy minutes or starting, whatever the case may be. Now he's come off the bench in a more clearly defined role and, and we'll see what happens. Maybe that will work out. I I mean the way Hayward's injury history has been, who who could guess, right? But I would definitely feel more um confident in that and also i really think hayward would do well in a spot where he gets to run the show for minutes at a time that's not going to happen with Lamella ball next time nor should it in my opinion Lamella ball is a superior playmaker shot creator all of that but um like you said there is value that hayward brings to the table and i definitely think that if it's gonna be in charlotte probably ancillary piece um do strictly to his health if he was a healthier player maybe he'd have a more different conversation but alas he isn't and so we don't yeah, so there's a couple things there that you stated that I wanted to touch on real quick. Is one, you mentioned Gordon Hayward being able to be the de facto point guard on the second unit. And that's kind of how I view it as well. Now, I believe that Terry Rogier will assume the quote unquote, you know, backup point guard minutes just as far as, you know, defensively guarding, you know, the opposing team's guard, uh, bringing the ball up the floor, maybe different things like that. But Gordon Hayward is the second best playmaker for others and creating for others on the Charlotte Hornets roster. He just simply is. is. That's a a part of his game. And so that is my personal opinion as to why I believe he should be kind of, you know, leading the charge on that second unit. Because I think Terry Rozier should start. I don't understand all of the hate that Terry Rozier gets from Charlotte fans. I just don't understand it. At this juncture, at this point, where the franchise currently is, Terry Rozier has produced, you know, quite a bit for Mm -hmm. the Charlotte Hornets. He may not be what you want. He may not be the ideal backcourt partner with LaMelo Ball. I will concede all of those. But for who we have, these people calling for Terry Rozier to get benched for James Booknight in the past. That's ridiculous. I mean, it was was then, it is now. Yeah, I mean, it always has been. Uh And then, I mean, that conversation has continued to evolve. I mean, now you have 
people saying, no, start Brandon Miller at the two and bring Terry Rozier off the bench. That's his role. That's the best that he can do in the NBA. Maybe he, maybe Terry Rozier's best role in the NBA really would be a six-man option and a six-man role. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be, but for where this team is currently, Terry Rozier is a top four player on this roster. I mean, he needs to receive top four minutes. And so, you know, you could say the same thing for Gordon Hayward, I guess, in that same sentence, mm-hmm. you know, and in that same sense. I just think for the minutes, his body, for his injury uh, past, and then just for what he can produce and offer a team in his creation, I think that's where him slipping to the second unit really has value to where Terry Rogier, yeah, he can get buckets – but he's not really creating for others. So I actually like LaMelo creating for him and him being able to shoot those spot up threes in the corner on the wing, you know, head fake, get into, you know, that 16 to 18 foot range, hit the mid range. That's where I like Terry Rozier and that role playing off of LaMelo as well. And so that's, that's where I'm seeing Gordon Hayward as that head of the second unit and really liking it, uh, you know, that role for him. Secondly, you mentioned Brandon Miller starting for the Charlotte Hornets. Mm -hmm. I have been against that entirely because I think, I think as a rookie, um, I, you know, a lot of people would say 27 win team, you know, like you got to start the number two overall pick. And I get that. In my mind, this isn't complete. Like, this isn't your normal team that's selecting number two overall. Like, we're two like, years removed from 43 wins. I just want to remind people. Oh, but it's I'm a not long saying, drop, Josh. Okay. Look, look, look. look. I, no, I'm glad. We're going to have a little, little, yeah, little give back and go and here. Yes, sir. I like yes, sir. it. All right. And so I'm not saying that this team, like you said, I you don't believe that this team is going to push for 46 wins. I'm not. I don't think that they are either. I've I've seen the schedule. I've looked at it. Um, and when it first came out, I saw 36. If everything falls their way, actually, um, that's kind of exactly where I'm at. Yeah, 36 and 46. My thing. It could get worse, but I don't see it getting much better. <laughs> well, look, I don't think that they're your normal number two overall pick because. We like we were in the play in two years ago when healthy, when we had all of our players. And what happened in that play in, sir? Demolished. There was a clear line of demarcation between the team that should have made it the like that game was ugly. Josh, that and that did the last two seasons. I was there. I was in the building. Oh God, bless you. I was sitting like row four. Okay. So you saw. How did you walk away from that going, hey, we are right there? (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. Not at all. (laughs) I was there. I was begging. I I, I was looking around. I'm like, Hawks fans, buy me beer. Buy me lots of beer. And, you know, I had a couple people take me up on it. You know, they were laughing at my expense. Of course. It it was a good time. Um, (laughs) Nice arena, by the way. Um, State Farm Arena, top notch. Um, Mm. but yeah, I was there, but look, this is what I'm holding on to that team. If we see the jump from LaMelo, okay. The center position via Mark Williams is an improvement over Mason Plumlee. 
we can talk about Mason Plumley and how great of a season he had last season and all of those things. There is a very low ceiling to saying Mason Plumley had a great season. Like the expectations there aren't high enough to really be using the word great or career year in that sense. Because Mason Plumley didn't offer you anything defensively as far as rim protection goes. Now, being able to move the ball offensively, sure. He couldn't shoot. He couldn't, he wasn't a scorer, but being able to facilitate and keep the ball moving offensively, I'll give Mason Plumley that. I will. But Mark Williams upside defensively, what we saw, you know, down the stretch and the games that he did receive playing time in, I really like it. And there's been multiple guys detail that. And so in my mind, I say all that to say this, and I'm I'm about to throw it back to you because I've been talking long enough. Oh, you're fine, man. But in my mind, I don't view this team as your typical number two, you know, team drafting number two overall. And so Brandon Miller starting does not have to be a thing for me because when I look at it, I see LaMelo Ball. I see Terry Rozier. I see Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, and Mark Williams. I see that as your starting five. Gordon Hayward kind of leading that second unit. Terry Rozier getting those staggered minutes. Brandon Miller on that second unit. Nick Richards. All right. I think that that is a good place for Brandon Miller to be. And so I say all that to say this. You had Brandon Miller in your in your starting lineup. Why? Okay. No, I – so, I mean, we obviously have a disagreement on, on the Hornets and where they were and what they are as a team, right? <laughs> I think that's – like, I agree with you. What you said objectively is this. They were two years removed from being in the playing game. But they were embarrassed in that one. And if I remember the year before as well. So, like, even then it was like, okay, they made it. But just to be thoroughly – like, those games were horrible. They were, they were not near. So, in my mind, they – regress further because of injury but at their best we we kind of saw what their best was in this you know this um mitch Kupchak era right and it's just it's been bad it's been sneaky bad but it's still been bad right so in my mind they are like a textbook number two like they, they like in my mind they are what we thought they were like they definitely are a team that needs to play like let me ask let me answer this question if scoot had been drafted would you want scoot to come off the bench i would actually i would Whoa, okay. No, I would not. Whoa. So check this. So check this. I Whoa. said this. I said this before the draft. And so this is something that a lot of people. So I was I was crowned by you know a large majority of the fan base as this scoot loving, you know, home like Homer, like who never watched Brandon Miller tape, who, you know had just heard of Scoot and his name and because he was in the G League and because he'd been at a couple NBA All-Star appearances and weekends and all of those things. And I actually stated this, so maybe this can, you know, prove this and bring this this point back up, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Prior to the draft, I said it doesn't matter. Once we knew that the Charlotte Hornets were drafting number two overall, I said it doesn't matter if it's Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson – Please, higher power above, let it be Scoot Henderson because I was all on Scoot. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we'll talk about that here in a little bit as well um, on a different conversation. Mm-hmm. But I, I I stated to begin the season, neither Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller should start because day one, they won't be better 
than Terry Rozier or Miles Bridges. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now day one, Miles Bridges is going to be suspended. So in that scenario, I guess you could move some people around and you could make some things. And I guess in my mind, I'd be okay with it. Okay. I'm not going to be angry, but day one, like, I don't understand all the Terry Rozier hate. I like, I don't. And day one, I'm I'm thinking Terry Rozier as the professional, Terry Rozier knowing and playing under this coaching staff for a full year and being, you know, this team has had a lack of leadership, you know, over the past multiple seasons. But I guess if you had to peg somebody on the team as being the leader, I guess you would say that's Terry Rozier. He brought all the guys to Miami a couple off seasons ago. He's one of the older guys. He's been available. He's been mostly healthy. He's played mostly, you know, okay to well. So I would say he's your de facto leader. I wouldn't say he's a strong leader, but for mm-hmm. the team and what it consists of, I he would put that back. Okay. And so I would have him starting. I'd bring Scoot off the bench until, you know, he really makes his stamp and then I would have moved things around and I would have, but I would have felt really good about that backcourt rotation as well. Like even in that, like I I would have wanted Scoot getting 25 minutes minimum per night. Wow. Okay. I like that. I like that. I, I You gave a good rationale to it. So I definitely understand that. I think for me, it's like this. The reason why I think the Hornets got outclassed the last two playing games they were in is because they have a talent deficit. They just do. Like we talked about this earlier, they have solid players at every position, but if you compare them against other players and other teams, solid is not great. Solid is, it's, it's just solid. Right. And so yeah, you, we, that's, face- that's been one of Mitch Kupchak's. I didn't mean to cut you no, off. You're good. You're good. Mm-hmm. That's been one of Mitch Kupchak's, I guess, negatives because you look at, you know, him hitting on multiple second round picks, uh, even, you know, PJ Washington's deal that was just signed. I mean, knocked that out of the park. That was beautiful. It really was. I mean, perfect. I mean, that was great. And so, yeah. And so for, for all of those check marks that Mitch Kupchak gets the negatives or the, you know, would be, he hasn't hit on enough star level players in the draft. I'll even argue when has he hit on a star level player? Yeah. I mean, I mean with the Lakers, I guess you could look back and what, what but he didn't draft Lonzo though. No. He drafted Delo, maybe. He drafted I wouldn't call Delo a star. He I drafted Ingram. Okay, Ingram's I, well, he, he did draft Lonzo. He did no, draft I thought Lonzo. he drafted Lonzo or was that no, wasn't that the first year of the Palinka I think it's a Palinka magic. Um I may be wrong. Yeah, I think that's a Palinka magic. I'm not, I'm not a Lakers connoisseur. No, no, I um, should know this. And I think, <laughs> yeah, I think he, I think it was um, Palinka and Magic Johnson who did that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think it was them who did that. I'm looking oh, at I the, think you're right because didn't Magic go on all the shows and like rave about how good Lonzo was and like workouts and that's what I was going to say. I think he did. I but think actually, you're right. I think you're right. Now, I might be wrong. Apparently, he was, no, I might be wrong. Let me go back and see. This is, okay, look at us live on. Wow, I could have swore, and I would have swore and been incorrect because it says I'm, I'm looking at basketball um, reference. It says that um, officially, you know, um, Rob Palinka started in 2019. Nope. So 
um, Mitch Kupchak was head of the Lakers from 2000 to 2017, which I think does include the drafting of Lonzo Ball. Let me make sure. No. Okay. So, yeah, it was. It must have been Magic Johnson. That is weird. Anyway, the last pick that um, that Mitch Kupchak made for the Lakers was Brandon Ingram. Um, um, as far as, like, drafting. Brandon Ingram and Avicii Zubac, Zubac were his last ones. As far as who he selected, I mean, I guess technically he traded him, but he selected Shea Gilch-Alexander in the 2018 first-round pick. I mean, 2018 NBA draft. He traded him to the Clippers for Miles Bridges, yeah. um, and that was a thing. And then after that, yeah, I guess you could say it was the one. LaMelo? Um, oh, LaMelo. Two star-level players. Yeah. I mean, I put LaMelo in much the same way I put Brandon Ingram. Like, they're there. I just – I don't know. I, it sounds like a TBD. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that. LaMelo obviously has the ceiling to be a star. It just depends on, you know, and I'm not holding his injuries against him from last year too much. I think that those were kind of freak. Like he, one of his injuries, he landed on a fan's foot, like that was sitting courtside and just rolled it like, yeah. Oh no, I'm not. Yeah, I don't hold. He kept trying to get back on the floor. He wasn't 100, percent and you mm-hmm. know he tweaked it again and he'd roll it again and oh yeah things. So oh, no, I'm not holding that against him. For me, it's really just a matter of um, for me, it's really just a matter of like his defensive impact, um, sure. and then just more offensive. Like he's he can be one of your main guys. I just don't know if he's like your main guy. Okay, listen, relax on the. Hornets offense, like we got that covered. You know, Lamelo's in town. Like I just, he's there. He's one of those guys. He's the straw that stirs the drink. But I feel like he needs more help. Um, yeah. And and not in a way of like like if I had to put him in Lucas, who was being the more consistent offensive engine, is Luca for me. And that's not a fair comparison. I just feel like Lamelo's like just a, a, a tier below that. So yeah. yeah. But to no, I, I, think was, that, um, I, I think that's more than fair. I mean, to you know, question Lamelo's defense and to raise you know, those questions about it and when is he going to, you know, make a larger impact on that side of the floor. Mm-hmm. If people don't want to ask those questions, then they're not living in reality, right? No, you said it. You and, said it. Oh. you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it is what it is as far as that goes. If you want to talk about, you know, his finishing at uh, at or near the rim, I, that is another question that needs to be brought up. I was about to say that as well. Yeah, mid-range. I mean, mid-range is decent, but that could be something. His three ball is good. We obviously know that, but just his offensive consistency as well. Um, but to answer your question, I feel like I feel like the Hornets are at a position where either person they drafted number two would start. Like in my mind, like you need all the influx of talent you can get. I, I don't think that anyone outside Lamella Ball and even up to Lamella Ball is holding back a player they would have drafted in the draft. Like that's why I hated the whole oh, Lamella play them both together. Like, it's not a given that LaMelo's a lock. It's not like it's Luca. Like, we even, like, a lot of the people who are saying, hey, it may not work and you trade LaMelo. That's because that's very much still in play. Like, it's not a knock on him. It's just that he's not like, he hasn't locked it all up like that. I mean, we've seen a, a ceiling for LaMelo team so far. And mind you, the town around is not great, but we've just seen what that is. So, boom. But also, if you're going to get Brandon Miller, like, if there was somebody blocking Scoot in, Theoretically, this was Lamella, which made no sense, but whatever. If that was the case, well, then now, if you look at Brandon Miller, who's staying in front of Brandon Miller? Uh, Gordon Hayward, who, come on out. Gordon Hayward should be coming off the bench. Like, that's kind of his role. Miles Bridges is more of a four. P.J. Washington more of a five. Like, there's no one really there, you know, um, at the three for Miller not to be there. And if you are going to play the Miller's strengths of playing good for him to defense and shooting the three ball, the Hornets need that. 
and apparently Miller's supposed to do that and potentially bring a star upside, which I'm not quite sure of that. But if he's able to stand, you know, knock down the three ball to high clip, play good defense, I think you want that around LaMelo ball. I think you want that alongside Terry Rozier, you know, along with an undersized front court of, of Washington and, 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 and Bridges. Like, I think that makes more value there. I'm still not sold on that being the right pick. But in theory, if that's where you're going with it, a player like that, that archetype, that starts for me. Yeah, I, I think w- when it comes to the rotation, you're going to have to find minutes where LaMelo and Miller are on the floor together. And I think this coaching staff will, you know, will do that. I don't, I don't think that that's not going to be a priority of theirs. I do believe that they will find those minutes. Um, I just – I think that there kind of is a log jam there. And yeah, for your future, Brandon Miller's the future of the Charlotte Hornets as far as the small forward position goes. He just is. But for a team who won 43 games two years ago and brought in a coach who wanted to instill some kind of defensive mindset with these guys, and is hoping, and apparently the messaging is, we're going to win right now. If you if if you have to pin me down and ask me who's better right now, and if this team truly is going to chase after their first playoff appearance since when? 2016? 2016, yeah. Then I'm going with Miles Bridges. From a basketball standpoint, I'm going Miles Bridges. Obviously, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... I mean, even PJ Washington is going to be better. I see. I see PJ is a four, and you know, I he can play Ooh. those small ball. PJ can see- play those. Well, I mean, you got Mark Williams now. Before, with with when with Plumley and all the things. Well, like for- if you wanted to go back and forth and do uh-huh. that whole thing, then sure. But let's be real, Miles Bridges probably is in here after next year. Like for this year, right now, you're probably. Playing, I mean, Mark Williams is going to get some time, but you're probably playing Bridges as a talent upgrade alongside Washington, who fits better. And the next season, when Bridges is gone, then you slide, um, then you slide Mark Williams. Oh, Mark up, Williams is going to start. Mark Williams is going to start for sure. I mean, yeah. that, well, he has to start to begin with because Bridges suspended to begin with. Well, he's going to start the whole season. All year. Oh, you? Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Mark Williams is, he's the center. Like, like he's he's my second guy that I'm most excited about moving into the future. A lot of people oh, on Brandon Miller, man, give me Mark Williams. I just yeah, I feel like I I want I like Mark Williams. I really do. I mean, I like Jalen Durham, Durham better, but I like Mark Williams. But I just feel weird about it because I'm like I feel like PJ Washington's best position is at the five. I I I, I don't know. That's probably another conversation for another pod, and I'm down to talk about that with you for sure. But I okay. just think with the way he's able to space the floor, you know, his quickness there. Um, I don't know. I, we'll talk about, like I said, maybe that's for another show, but I would love to kind of go into position okay. position battles with these Hornets and where we see these guys. But he yeah, averaged career high in threes last season, made two a game, 15.7 points, and he was one of, he was the first Hornets player in history to average two three-pointers in a block per game in a season. I think you maximize that at the, at the, um, at the five. But, <laughs> yes, but. I do believe that there are spot moments where you can do that, but for the duration of a season and just night after night, he's not big enough. I mean, PJ's six, eight. I mean, LaMelo's as tall as PJ Washington. And so 
Now he's not as big. He's not as meaty. Right. No, but that the center position is Mark Williams's. All right. But I can can go with that. Yeah. But PJ Washington, I think if something happens to either Mark Williams or Nick Richards, I think he's the next man up at the center position. I think like all the people who are like Kai Jones is slotted in at that third center position. It's Mm -hmm. PJ. It's PJ. And PJ may even get some of those backup center minutes if Nick Richards isn't playing well or if maybe there's some foul trouble that happens and different things. PJ can slide in and give you spot center uh, minutes. I I agree. I think some of your best rotations and, and minutes as far as looking at the numbers over the past few seasons uh-huh. has been with PJ at the five. So I hear what you're saying. I just – you – now that you have Mark Williams, it's Mark Williams' show at the center position. But oh, and I think there are spot minutes and moments where PJ can play that if injuries happen, if foul trouble occurs, different things like that. So, okay, I, it's it's there. PJ's penciled in as no lower than the third string center with possible second string center minutes as well. That's okay. Yeah, hey, That's how next you look episode. At it. Hey, that, let's do it. Yeah, let's make this as we'll you hash this out. I'm with it. Absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> Speaking of PJ, how excited were you to see those numbers when they came in? Just to have him back at those numbers that he received. Made my day. Made my day. I mean, you get a number that is affordable for if you are Charlotte, you like what you got there. You know, what, three years, 48 million? Yeah. Like, man. That's that's not bad at all. Like that's ending. They front loaded it. Oh, so declining exactly. So declines as well. You get that's a really really good deal if you ask me for a guy who's twenty five who had the best season of his career last year and is going to continue to grow. Like yes, you absolutely do that. I think you also, if you're PJ, you know, having the deal that you have, you'll be back on the market by what twenty eight. Like you'll be entering your prime, you know, um, and that will be good for you because that gives you a chance to secure that much larger deal that you, that you wanted. Um, and for the Hornets, this also avoids uh, it helps them to avoid having a second forward sign a qualifying offer and become eligible for unrestricted free agency in 2025, which is something we saw Miles Bridges do and something that I didn't want to believe, but I thought was going to happen here with PJ. I was like, that's not going to be great to have a log jam at forward and two of them are going to be gone. And come on, you're not paying both those guys in similar age ranges, the amount of money needed to bring them both back. It just didn't make sense to me. So the fact you're able to avoid all that, bring back a, a solid player on a solid deal. And for PJ, you got paid, you got your money, but also you do have an opening to go back out there at 28 and get that big, big deal you're probably looking for and also prove that with your level of play. So, yeah, it couldn't have worked out perfectly, but for both parties. And what gets me is I did not think that that's what was going to happen with this long standoff. Rarely does a standoff happen where you're like, okay, both sides are going to come to an agreement. It's going to work out for both people. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point that you just made about PJ being 28, entering you know, his next deal, his next summer where he's going to you know be able to shop around essentially and see what his market is. I think the writing on the wall became a reality to PJ. He saw that the money dried up and no one really had anything that they could offer. And he was, he was searching for 20 mil plus, but that just, it wasn't there and no, no one across the league had it. And so to take just underneath that, okay. To accept $48 million deal over three years 
And to be able to search after that kind of contract, that those numbers, the next go around, I think that's what he needed to do. There's no reason because if he came in, in my opinion, there is a log jam at the forward position between Hayward, Bridges, um, Miller, and PJ. And so between those four guys, those that's essentially going to be your forward rotation. Maybe even some JT Thor minutes in there. We'll see what happens there. But this was going to be a bad season for PJ to bet on himself going into the next offseason searching for, you know, X amount of dollars on a contract because there's just too many mouths to feed there at the forward position, too many minutes to be shared. And so I think this ended up being exactly what PJ needed to do. I think this was his number where he should have signed. I, th I think this made sense for both sides, for the Hornets and for PJ. Mitch Kupchak, for, all, for any of the hate that I've given him in the past, not really hate, I guess uh, criticism. Um, he knocked it out of the park here and already kind of mentioned that previously, but uh, kudos to Mitch Kupchak in the front office for waiting, not having to overpay to bring back, you know, a, a kid that they drafted who is now turned into a solid rotational player in the NBA at roughly what 16 mil per. Just about, just about as easy as you can get. And that's, like you said, just really good value. I agree. It was, you said it better than I could. Like, it worked out perfectly. I'm happy with the resolution. I think that all Hornets fans are. Um, and you're right. I think there's something to be said for retaining a person that you drafted, right? Like, yeah, maybe the way that they went about in doing that probably wasn't the best, right? In the way of, like, the tense negotiations and all of that, the draw, drawn-out process. But for it to happen the way that it did, absolutely, absolutely. You'd love to see it. Fun article. This is the last segment, by the way. We've look, we've had you guys for a minute. Okay, we're gonna have you for a few more, but we do have a fun article coming out from the lead where many of us were asked to, you know, let everybody know what our input was on what all NBA teams would look like in the year 2028. So we're looking five years into the future here with this exercise. Upward and onward, here we come. And so what we wanted to do is Corbin and myself, we wanted to give you guys our thoughts and who we would have in the year 2028 as our all-NBA players. Corbin, lead off for us. All right. Well, listen, Josh, it's this was an interesting one to try to figure out because, again, you're projecting five years. Are you looking at people that you're hiring right now that haven't proven anything? Are you thinking that players who have already sustained some excellence will continue that for another five years, whether aging hits them hard or not? Like it took a lot of evaluation. So with this one, I mean, I, I started writing out a list of all of them. And I said, you know, we're just going to go with it. So I feel pretty confident about this. And there's a lot of young guns, but. I feel good about it. Um, so I have Scoot Henderson. Yeah, I have Scoot Henderson, Luka Doncic, Anthony Edwards, Paulo Bancaro, and Jabari Smith Jr. Oh, Lord. 
I went bold with it. I went bold. Oh. I wanted something different, but like Ant, or like Ant and Luca, you've already seen flashes. And five years from now, Luca will be squirreling in his prime, and Ant will be approaching that. Paulo Bancaro and Jabari Smith, maybe a little bit of my wild cards, and it's oh, the there's ultimate no, one. Maybe a little bit. What you talking about? A little bit. Well, I just, the potential of them being, again, projecting five years of what they've already shown. Like, yeah. uh, Paolo's already shown a lot more than Jabari, but I'm really high on Jabari. Love what he did second half of the season. Love what he did in Summer League, right? And the Edwards, we've already seen this guy. Luka Doncic, same thing. And then Scoot, listen, I know, Scoot's the ultimate. I mean, it's not like I put Brandon Miller up there. Scoot's like a guy who I'm looking at. I really think he can be that dude. Um, honorable mention was Wemby. But when Yama slides over, um, we'll probably talk about him when you talk about your team. It's going to be blasphemy, and I understand that. But I just like Jabari Smith Jr. a little more. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and like I said, I know as well, I, I didn't I, – I, I don't defend it. I just embrace the crazy. All right. So, <laughs> all right, I'll just give you my team. I'll just give you my team. So, my first team, All-NBA, in the year 2028 – <laughs> I have Luka Doncic. Same. Look at us. I have Devin Booker. Mm, I have Jason Tatum. That's and then I'm and then I'm still holding. These guys will never leave the MVP debate. They just won't. It's going to be a conversation for the next five years. Everybody just buckle up. I'm th- I'm keeping Giannis and Jokic in, in the conversation. I just I, those guys. Giannis scares me a little bit more than Jokic actually, because Jokic his game, mm, it's not predicated whatsoever on athletic ability. It's totally one hundred percent based in skill mm-hmm. and just his ability to pass, his ability to shoot his ability to maneuver within the post. Mm-hmm. Like defensively, I think we might see even more of a drop off. He's not some kind of stalwart defensively at, you know, right now. Mm-hmm. But so we may see a little bit more of a drop off and maybe he'll have some points deducted whatever. But Luka, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, I see them squarely in that conversation. Maybe they don't, you know, of course, anybody could get injured, maybe they don't play as well whatever. But I feel pretty good about my first team. I feel like my first team is more um, more of a reality than yours, I'm going to be honest. Oh, wow. Is that how you feel? I, I, no, I do. I, I I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I like your team a little better. I definitely banked on upset a lot more. <laughs> and looking at your guys, yeah, for sure. I should have probably swapped them first and second. Yours is a lot more realistic. I mean, Booker, eh, I don't know. No, Booker's solid. I just feel like <laughs> I feel like you got guys like Anthony Edwards. You got guys like Jalen Green, who I'm also high on. You got guys coming up that yeah. I can see Booker being in his early 30s by that point. Um, I can see other guys usurping him for that role. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. But on a realistic note, your yours most definitely is. Um, surprised you don't have Wimby up there. You went you with would... two aging guys up with uh, Jokic and Giannis. Yeah, I, I had to do it because, I mean, Jokic is going to be 32, 33 then I, mm-hmm. I he's still going to be good. Like we've seen multiple guys still in their prime when they're 32 years old. Now, by the time that they're 34, 35, you know, Different not story. so much. I mean, LeBron James is LeBron James, right? He's lucky. I, I, almost, Kevin put LeBron. Durant. I almost put LeBron first team because that guy, 
in 2028. I'm about to say I love it in the year in the year 2028 on the on the eve of his 44th birthday. Yeah, yeah. 46th birthday. Who who made first team All NBA? LeBron James. LeBron James. Um, yeah, I had to do it. But look, I will say you had more fun with yours. Like I went kind of. I did go. I went kind of chalk with it. I kind of felt grimy doing it, and like I didn't really want to do the whole Giannis Jokic thing. I wanted to have a little fun, but I feel like I had a lot of fun with my second, uh, my second team and my third team. But back to you, second team. Who you have? Okay, I feel bad. Even put a third team. Jeez. Um, (laughs) for my second team, I went back and forth. I dropped Giannis ultimately because I actually dropped him while we were talking. Because I'm looking. I'm like, you know what? Um, ultimately, I don't know if his game's going to age super well. Yeah. Um, at least not comparison to Jokic. Um, and then I also was tight between Jalen Green and Devin Booker because I'm very high on Jalen Green, but then Devin Booker prevailed. Um, so I dropped Jalen Green. So I made some adjustments on my second team. I've been going back and forth on that. I was less pie in the sky with my second team, but I have Morant, John Morant, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Victor Wambanyama, and Nikola Jokic. Okay, so look, we had a little crossover right there. So bit, we had, so to start with, we we both had Luca. Oh, Luca's in. Yeah, Luca. So on our first team, we both had Luca. We were we were seeing the same things there. Mm-hmm. On our on the second team, you had a bunch of my first team guys. Mm, yeah, I went a little crazy on the first team. Went more conventional on the second team. Yeah. You did. You had Book, you had Tatum, and you had Jokic. Mm-hmm. You had three of my first team guys on your second team. Who? Who was your other? Oh, you had Wimby. You had Wimby, Wimby. Yeah, Wimby Yama. I mean, at the end of the day, I I, I almost left him off entirely. Um, I mean, you saw I picked Jabari Smith over him. But at the end of the day, like, if he is this unicorn that everyone says he is and all of the things, come on, you got to be at least one of the first two all-NBA all teams in five years. I mean, come on now. Yeah. Like, most hype since LeBron, you don't make an all-NBA team? Um, Nah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I put mine putting him on second, which is my own personal preference. I think he probably makes first team, if I'm being completely honest. But again, that's just based off the expectations of what he can be. I'm one of the few people who am not like all buzzed with the whole women Yama craze. Like, yeah, he deserved to go first. Absolutely. I'm not over here like best guy since LeBron. In theory, yes, but I need to see it. Um, I'm one of those, I guess you could call me a skeptic. Um, but with that being said, like, yeah, he had, like, he's on the team because he has to be on the team. Like, there's no way you leave him off. Um, and if he is off that, then that's a problem. Well, I, I think part of the conversation that helped Wimby, I know where I'm getting off here, is Zion not coming into the league and being able to stay healthy. Because if Zion was healthy and he was playing that top 10 level player that we've seen when he has been healthy mm-hmm. since he came in the league nearly, mm-hmm. and just a dominant force from day one whenever day he one. comes on the floor, we – I feel like we would not have been saying Victor Wimbenyama is the greatest prospect since LeBron James. I feel like I feel I like agree. Zion, like people would have been like, oh, he's the best since Zion. But because Zion didn't pot, like he hasn't been able to stay healthy, mm-hmm. he kind of skipped over that because that's what people were saying about Zion, right? Yeah. And oh, so, mm-hmm. so I think that I think I think that's played a little bit of a role. My second team. Sir, La Mello Ball. Oh. I'm shocked. Let's I'm do shocked. it. I thought you were going to say LeBron James. That's why I laughed. But <laughs> La- like he's setting it up for LeBron James. He's setting it up for LeBron James. But no, Lamelo. Interesting. Okay. I, I have Lamelo second team. I think, I think he's going to hit. Man, I do. I, 
age 20, we saw what he did, all-star. I mean, everybody's talking about Tyrese Halliburton right now. And Tyrese Halliburton's what, 22, 23 years old? 23, yeah. Going to be 23, yeah. And never made a play-in. I mean, for all the hate that the Hornets get for making the play-in and getting trounced, Tyrese Halliburton has never led a team to even a play-in. And he's receiving all of this love. He's he's 23 years old um, before he made an all-star team. And, I mean, you're looking at – he's getting that hype. You have different players of, you know, different calibers that are receiving a lot of love. Jalen Brunson's receiving a lot of love. I'm not saying that they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these guys have taken much deeper into their careers before they really popped, right? And so this conversation around a lot of these point guards that people are ranking currently above LaMelo, LaMelo popped immediately. Year one, rookie of the year. Better than Anthony Edwards. He he just was. I mean, some people may try to say he wasn't, but he was year one. Year two, all-star. The problem with LaMelo is year three was injury riddled, so we didn't see a lot of him. And so what took place, the ascension of Anthony Edwards, we could see it year by year by year. Anthony yeah. Edwards is getting better every year. Tyrese Halliburton is getting better every year. LaMelo he came in day one. He was NBA ready. But then because year three, we saw injury riddled stats. His efficiency kind of died off a little bit. All of a sudden, people are kind of selling their stock on LaMelo. They, that stuff needs to stop. LaMelo ball, second team all NBA in the year 2028. It's happening. You said it. You, you called it. I'm, we, we just have to believe. That's right. My other guard, Scoot Henderson. Screw okay. him. There you go. The Hornets point guard that never was. Yeah. Yeah. I, and for all the reasons you said why he was on your first team, I think he's that guy. I think he's that guy. And that's why, like, this isn't one of those things where I, I said this already before, where I didn't watch tape on multiple people and trying to figure out exactly. Like, when I watched the tape and then just all of the interviews and hearing just what all of the coaches had to say, all of the people that have spent any time around Scoot, natural-born leader, that tendency to just be the driving force of his team. I mean, I I, I buy into all of it. And, I mean, you saw him on the – during Summer League, the guy was standing on the sideline the entire game while his fellow, you know, peers are playing. Like sure. he was like he was cheering them on. He was clapping. He was vocal. He was trying to be that guy because he went out. They wanted to be cautious. They said, hey, we're going to hold him out after he went down in the first game. Mm-hmm. But then he didn't disappear, right? Like it, he didn't do one of these Gordon Hayward things where he got injured and then he just sat on the bench and he wasn't talking. Like dude in summer league, was being that vocal piece, that guy. Now, I don't want to read too much into a guy standing up in summer league and trying to, you know, make his mark in the league too early. Yeah. But, just, yeah. but at the same time, like, I buy into everything, Scoot. I He's going to be a stud. I Yeah. When I, when I stop and think about it, I'm excited for Brandon Miller. I'm a Brandon Miller guy. I have to be. He wears the purple and teal. It is what it is at this yeah. point. You're a loyal Hornets fan. Like, I'm not rooting for his downfall. Neither no, am I. I'm not. I'm not. I think it's going to happen, but I'm not rooting for it now. 
Yeah, I'm not. But when I stop and think about like we actually chose somebody over Scoot Henderson, not Brandon Miller, anybody. It didn't matter who it was. If we would take taking Anthony Black, Thompson. Yeah, whoever. When I stop and think about it, I kind of get sick to my stomach because I think he's going to be that good. I just, I just, I agree. Oh man, I agree. It's funny how you said that though, but I definitely agree with you. Anthony uh, Edwards, second Thank team. you. Second team. Okay, that's good. Yep. Why do you, do you not like him over Booker in five years? Because I think Ant's already rising up now. Like, I would still take Booker over him right now, but it would be very, very tough. Um, I don't. Um, I think Booker, I think he's going to be on a team that's always going to be in NBA Finals contention at this point. I think that they're going to – the new Suns ownership – and I mean, I guess you could say this about Minnesota too. Both of those guys, both of those new owners, those GMs, came in and took massive swings. Right? Both mm-hmm. went and got KD, traded the house, traded the farm. If you can do that, you do that. I get it. They did that down in Phoenix, and then in Minnesota, new GM comes in, made the trade for Gobert. I don't think there was a great move, but. I mean, he had his convictions. He went for it. So maybe that shows that he's going to be willing as well. Now, they don't have those assets moving forward. So how how many of those big blockbuster deals would they be able to set into motion? I'm not sure. But I feel like Phoenix is better suited to be in, I guess, championship contention than the Timberwolves because – even though the Timberwolves have some young pieces that I like, mm-hmm. I just I don't really see that team ever being much better than a six or a seven seed. I just don't. I get that, but I mean, do you doubt you that 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 you lay fault on Edwards for that? Like, I feel like the talent around him, like that's ill-fitting roster construction. That's why that would be the case. Like, it's not for anything Anthony Edwards did. I, I do, think they but wouldn't have won a game if both of them. No, I I agree. I I don't think you're wrong when you say that. And no, I'm not trying. We just know how this goes. If if both players have similar numbers and one is on a better team, generally that guy's going to get the nod. And so that's why I would say in five years from now, like Devin Booker is, I would give him the nod over Anthony Edwards. That's why I'll say that. I think they're going to have similar numbers, mm-hmm. but I think that the Suns are going to be better than the Wolves. And generally speaking, people – usually give that to the player on the better team. Wimby is on my second team and uh, Mobley. I am, I am a big believer in Evan Mobley. And um, when I was ranking my, I think it was, I did a, I did a mock draft of the top three draft picks every year since 2020 and put them into the same draft. And I had Mobley fifth. So like Wimby, uh, Wimby was one. And then I had Scoot two. And then I had Kate Cunningham three. I had LaMelo four and I had Mobley five. And so I was really big on Mobley when he was coming into the NBA and I still am. I think he's going to continue to develop an outside shot. I think his defense is there. I think the Cavs are going to be good uh, moving forward with the pieces they have. And um, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big Evan Mobley guy. 
Even Mobley's a good one. I, I mean, I still think there's a lot of improvement that needs to be done on his um offensive game. Yeah. You know, to really fully buy into that. I'm not saying it can't happen. I just, I'm not there yet. But at the yeah. same time, I'm definitely with you in terms of the potential of that being the case. Um, very impactful defensively. And honestly, if you get a consistent jumper, like the dude could be that kind of guy, like for sure. It'll yeah. be almost, it'll be as ridiculous. Like we don't have one, but we have Evan Mobley. Like they do with, we don't have one, but we have a, uh, um, What's his name? Bo Bo. <laughs> but no, yeah. I'm, I'm joking yeah. aside. Like, Evan Mobley, <laughs> is, yeah, he has the potential to be that good. I just don't know if that's the high end outcome. That's the better way of saying it. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I get you. I'm just, I'm still a believer in Mobley. I think he's going to develop. Um, and I think he's just going to keep getting better. He's one of my guys that I'm, that I'm still rocking with that I think is going to get there. I do. And then now, look. I know that you told me that you did not do a third team, but just kind of mm-hmm. off the like off the cuff, like right here in the moment, like who are some guys? Maybe you don't have to even come up with five, but like who are your next guys that maybe you had on second team just didn't quite make it that you would have placed on a third team? Um, Tyree Halliburton. Okay. Um, in fact, I'm, some of these guys I feel bad I didn't bring up before. Um, Shakers Alexander. Okay. Um. Let's. I'm trying to think of some others. Um. Hmm. What about? I mean, he'll still be young. Um, Darius Garland. Yeah. Okay. So. Um. Hmm. Okay. So in five years, you 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 think Tyrese Halliburton, Darius Garland. Um, who's Ellis Alexander? You think all those guys are going to clear? Yeah, Jairus Garland will be 28 in five years. Yeah, he'll definitely be there. You, um, you think he's going to be better than LaMelo in five years? I mean, I would say he's better than LaMelo now. Oh, I know, but in five years, I mean, LaMelo is only, I mean, LaMelo is what 21, 22. Yeah, so it's only a year's difference. I think yeah. it's, I think it's possible. I mean, I like, I think, I, I don't, I wouldn't say, I want Lamella to be better, right? And I wouldn't say it's the higher outcome that Darius Garland is better, but Darius Garland's already good at things that Lamella needs to improve upon. Like Lamella does have additional flash, additional size. Health wise, you still got to give it to Garland, which is saying something since like Garland is not like, uh, like consistently healthy, you know what I mean? But I, yeah, I, I, I think. You know what? No, we're gonna throw Lamelo, and I got time. Why not? Lamelo's gonna go in there. <laughs> he got it. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Let's just, go. <laughs> and then rounding it out, let's throw Evan Mobley in there too. Why not? Okay. Oh, that was a lot of guards. That was a lot of guards. Well, if I was thinking of like forwards, I would think Evan Mobley. I would think. Um. Um. Oh, so oh you so you do like Evan Mobley a lot as oh, well. Oh, I do like Evan Mobley. Okay. I also like um. Here, let me I give you my team. Bring... Let me give you my team real quick. Okay. Oh, oh that's what it is. Um, real quick before before you say, I was trying to remember the big that I could. Oh, you got it. Okay, of. you already Bam came out of Bam out of bio. That's all. Okay, I got you. All right, you back to you. Bam. Yeah, I like Bam. Uh-huh. I like Bam. Yeah. Okay, my third team. I got Ja Morant. Okay. I got Trey Young. Oh, not I'm, high on Trey like that, but it, he's a good player. I'm not, I don't like watching him play basketball. He pisses me off by yeah. watching him play. But Ooh, he's, it's cold. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's going to he's going to put up the numbers and like he, he creates for others. He gets assists. He hits the shots. He scores. I think. I mean, I just 
it came down between Trey and SGA, and I went Trey. Yeah, Trey. that's fair. That's fair. Just, I like yeah. it. Ooh, but if it went between Trey and SGA, why not go SGA? I just went Trey. Like, you I just think, threw it up. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, right now, I think everybody's kind of sipping on this SGA love, and I don't want to – I don't want to say that people are wrong because I don't think they're wrong. I don't. But I I think that. Yeah, he's been good, man. I feel like every year we have like one or two guys that like just really just soar up everybody's like NBA rankings. And I feel like SGA is being, you know, the benefactor of that. I think SGA and Tyrese Halliburton right now are like overvalued. I think they're both good. I think they're both good. But people are putting them in like top fifteen, top twenty realm, and I think that that's too high. Hmm. Well, I, I mean, would, I wouldn't have either player top fifteen. I don't have Tyrese Halliburton top thirty. Um, SGA, I would have in that twenty to thirty range. Like, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just. I feel like there's a player every offseason that people just, like, really jump on and they're like, oh, I love this player. And, like, mainstream, like, NBA media kind of jumps on those guys and that kind of comes becomes the No, and we've seen the- that. Yeah, they've been made, trying to make Luka MVP for the last two years. I mean, I get certain yeah. elements of that, but, like, Shea's been improving since – he's been like this since the Clippers. He's just become he more to his own. He's good, but I, I think, think it's different. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Trey's been there. I feel like Trey, I feel the opposite. I feel like Trey's the one that people keep trying to trying to make into something he's not. He's a very good player, but he's not this like star pulling our back, we're gonna lead the way type guy that I think everyone is trying to make him into. Well, at the end of the day, he's an undersized guard who doesn't play any defense, right? Exactly. And they're trying to make him a so, Steph Curry Jr. And that's just not what he is. No, he's not Steph. And Ste- because for all of the love that Steph gets. It's warranted, and one of the reasons why is because he gives he gives effort defensively. Like, he's not some horrible defender. Like, a lot of people would like to think that, like, oh, Steph, undersized, like, just pick on him, bully him, you know, on the defensive end, and, like, he gives effort to where Trey, you have to hide him. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's what I don't want to happen with LaMelo and – you don't have to do that as much with him because he has the size and the length, right? Mm-hmm. Like LaMelo 6'7", it has a giant wingspan, and he he does try to jump those passing lanes, and that's what really gets him into trouble is he ball watches, and he tries to, like, do these sneaky, like, jumping passing lanes and come up behind people, poke the ball out, and he gets out of position, and then all of a sudden he sends the entire defense on scramble mode, and that's how you end up giving up wide-open threes, right? Four dunks and layups. And so that's what I don't want to happen with LaMelo. Um, But I don't know. I feel like, I feel like people are trying to turn on Trey now and I feel like he's still going to be there. That's interesting. I'm with it. Yeah. He's a coach killer, but no, I'm fine. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I get you. It's interesting how we like look at players, how the media portrays players and the juxtaposition between that, you know, because you do have that kind of disconnect. Yeah. You know, you do. SGA was my next one up. He 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 was my honor. Ah, uh, yeah, I would have SGA. Time. He's so he's been he's better defensively. I think he's a better isolation play. But I get you. I respect your I respect your pick for sure. Hey, I respect yours, man. Hey, this has been um, fun. I enjoy this. Hey, I have a I have one of your first teamers on my third team. Let's hear it. Oh, 
Jabari Smith Jr. You know, I'm I'm, high, so, I'm glad Jabari I'm, Smith made one of your teams. I'm irrationally high. You're not irrationally high, but you are. I high, don't know. All NBA's all NBA might be irrationally high for Jabari, the number two, number three pick. I mean, listen, in yeah. my mind, I do not. I think that if you a player with that, at least on the potential alone, like yes, he had one so-so rookie how many players that so-so rookie is right I mean, but like just based it, on how he was I mean, drafted to begin with you have to think that the potential ceiling i don't think that's out of the round yeah. if he had went in the second round or something i'm like huh interesting but no given where he was drafted i would expect that to be an expectation i don't think that that's okay. out of their own possibility but i get what you mean and i mind you i'm going crazy i'm i'm i'm, I'm high on the supply putting on first team but yeah. like in my mind it's like if you're drafted in top three like that is what we expect the ceiling to be you know no i, no, I, I think that's fair um, I guess Jabari Smith was one of those guys where people are like, I oh, can't handle it. Like, what can he do? You know, yeah, we, we know he can shoot. He can rebound. He can play defense, but like he has some offensive limitations as well. And, uh, but I, I, like you said, I mean, if you go back just a couple of years ago, Anthony Edwards had a pretty pedestrian, like 70% of his rookie year. Like he started to hit like closer to the end. He kind of made it a semi conversation between him and LaMelo. Uh, I bring that one up just because obviously I paid a lot of attention to that race. Of course, of course. Um, but Anthony Edwards wasn't great for much of his rookie season. He was not. It took his second year to come to his own. Third year really Pretty became good. a guy. And now look at him in the Olympics. And I think this guy's going to be a monster. I mean, yeah. I never thought he wasn't going to be a monster. So I'll just put that out there. But going back to that, like, yeah, I, I, you're right. Like, going off that first year, no. I think yeah, he should I be did. number one. I, should, I thought he was justified being picked number one. And that first year was like, eh, still should be number one. But it was a great year, you know? Yeah. I was not high on Anthony Edwards. Wow. See, we got we this year, this not, upcoming not. draft, we have to do some more draft pods because I definitely want to get your philosophy mine and kind of see where yeah. it goes. Because yeah, I was, yeah, I'm but like, I was, but I have a type when it comes to my shooting guards, hybrids, combo, shoot. and he definitely was a little shot happy. But what he's becoming is what I saw, so I'm I'm, I'm happy about that. He no, could easily he, went the other direction, but I like what he's become. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. To round out my uh, third. Team All NBA. Mm-hmm. Well, I have two more. I have two more. Jaron Jackson Jr. I have him on there. He's solid. Yep, I have him. And then lastly, we have another Hornet. Mark Williams, baby. He's gonna oh. be third team All NBA 2028. This Charlotte Hornets team is on the rise. That is that is that is pretty lofty. I have a center. His name is Jalen Dirt. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I'm messing with you. But that is wow. That is bold. I I just do. I think I think the pairing of Lamelo with Mark Williams. I think it's it. I think this is the one Charlotte Hornets fans have been crying out to the gods for ages now for a center to draft a center that actually hits that can roll, can rebound, can block shots, who can protect the paint, the rim, can also switch out onto guards on the perimeter forwards and be able to stay in front of them, you know, at least decently. And we got that guy. We got that guy. And so I think the pairing with LaMelo Ball, Mark Williams, 
I think that is going to be a tandem that is going to bring sweetness and um, a sense of win uh, of winning to Charlotte to the Queen City, and I just I'm all in. I'm all in on Mark Williams. I think he's going to be that good. I really do. I think he's better than Jalen Duran. I do. Whoa. I think that was so. I I would not have done that trade just because of just sheer numbers. You don't trade the 13th overall pick for what? Pick 27 and some seconds. Yeah, no, no, math ain't math. Yeah, it's not. The math doesn't make sense. It's not, it's not coming out. But so that deal, it just it seemed wrong. And I'll stand by that. But as far as the player. I think Mark Williams centers, in my opinion, unless you are Jokic and you're a point center and you just play the game completely different and you're just an anomaly completely. Centers have to be judged by their defensive impact, and Mark Williams is going to be one of the best defensive centers in the league. It just, it just is. And he's going to do enough offensively to where you can justify him being third team all NBA. Boom. There it is. Okay. So you think defensive impact and just enough on the offensive end as a pick and roll guy, a lot threat to be like a mid range jumper. He's a good mid range jumper. Yeah. He's like, if you think he averages 16 points, 12 rebounds a game, he's the Roy Hibbert all star. Yep. That's him. Okay. Except better than Roy Hibbert. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I could see it. I could see it. That's, I, I like it. I definitely still think it's kind of bold, but at the same time, it is high in outcome. Like, why not? I, I mean, he's, he's going to affect so many shots at the rim. We saw it in his rookie season once he got run. Um, I know there were multiple guys who detailed the Charlotte Hornets' impact defensively over the second half of the season. How much it improved. And in large part, that was because of Mark Williams and Dennis Smith Jr. That's a different topic, right? (laughs) But much of that was because of Mark Williams and his ability to switch on the perimeter and stay in front of guards. Uh, I mean, we all have that clip where he switched on to Trey Young at the end of the game. Trey's trying to shake him. He does a little step back three. Mark Williams blocks it. LaMelo gets it, throws it up. Mark Williams dunks it for the win. And game over. And Shea, so it wouldn't happen on Shea, by the way. <laughs> You're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Okay. SGA third team. Trey, get the hell out of here. Get there we go. Yeah. We just got a victory. I'm glad. Let's I got go. another on my you team. It. You got Shea I, yours. I was going back and forth. I wanted to be different. You know what? Boom. I, I don't like Trey Young. SGA. Come be on. There we go. I'm telling you, he's he's the future. Anyway, thank you. All right, nice. Corbin, I've enjoyed this so much, man. I, I love talking about with you, man. It's always fun. It's been a blast. We, I love our disagreements. I love our agreements. I love talking Hornets basketball. Let's do this again real soon. Hey, we got, we have to. Oh, and we have to position stuff now. Yeah. So many times, I, I love going back and forth. I love arguing with people when we have different viewpoints. And so I'm so glad that we had those today. Yeah. Um. I mean, Paolo Bancaro is totally being overrated and overhyped right now it is what it is wow see of course you said as we winding down the show i can't even defend it <laughs> i mean what 
That's exactly how this goes. Okay. Uh, there we go. It'll make it for in. a better just, show coming up. That sounds good to me. You yeah, to I just had to throw it in. That's fair. That's fair. I can take it. <laughs> but no, man, I really do appreciate it. Guys, check out Corbin's stuff. He's everywhere. Like I said at the top of the show, all right? Sports Ethos, uh, Swish Theory, The Lead. Corbin, where else? Tell everybody else where they can find your stuff, man. Oh, listen, those I appreciate just the three off the top of the head that th- I know. Those those are the three. No, I have my own um, podcast um, on the side, uh, Roster Reconstruction, which I got to get you on, which is talking the three modes of roster construction free agency trades in the draft um so that's more of a specific niche kind of show but fun for the wannabe gms of myself and you know others who come on will do some draft retrospectives different things like that it'll be a lot of fun so check that out there again like you said swiss theory sports ethos and of course the lead hoping to have some projects going on with all three this year hoping to really ramp up the coverage i've had my name kind of laid back a little bit here and it's time to get back into it. So hopefully we can get started on that, man. But as always, thank you, my brother. I love talking hoops with you, man. I can't wait to see what you produce, what you put out, what you create. I always, I'm always looking in whenever you drop anything. I'm there. I'm there. I, I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Hey, No problem, man. But guys, thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out on all the socials. You got us on Twitter, X, whatever. Now Instagram threads, We're on all that, too, now. Hive Hoops. Also, at Hornets League, catch us there. And personal, Balta77. You can check me on all of those places. Be sure to check out Corbin's stuff. Don't forget about him. But until next time, adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops. Presented by the League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops. Hoops.